Part One, Chapter Three of A Lost Lady by Willa Cather. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. For the next few years, Niall saw very little of Mrs. Forrester. She was an excitement that came and went with summer. She and her husband always spent the winter in Denver and Colorado Springs, left Sweetwater soon after Thanksgiving, and did not return until the first of May. He knew that Mrs. Forrester liked him, but she hadn't much time for growing boys. When she had friends staying with her, and gave a picnic supper for them, or a dance in the grove on a moonlight night, Niall was always invited. Coming and going along the road to the marsh with the Bloom boys, he sometimes met the captain driving visitors over in the Democrat wagon, and he heard about these people from Black Tom, Judge Pomeroy's faithful negro servant, who went over to wait on the table for Mrs. Forrester when she had a dinner party. Then came the accident which cut short the captain's career as a road builder. After that fall with his horse, he lay ill at the Antlers in Colorado Springs all winter. In the summer, when Mrs. Forrester brought him home to Sweetwater, he still walked with a cane. He had grown much heavier, seemed encumbered by his own bulk, and never suggested taking a contract for the railroad again. He was able to work in his garden, trimmed his snowball bushes and lilac hedges, devoted a great deal of time to growing roses. He and his wife still went away for the winter, but each year the period of their absence grew shorter. All this while the town of Sweetwater was changing, its future no longer looked bright. Successive crop failures had broken the spirit of the farmers. George Adams and his family had gone back to Massachusetts, disillusioned about the West. One by one the other gentlemen ranchers followed their example. The foresters now had fewer visitors. The Burlington was drawing in its horns, as people said, and the railroad officials were not stopping off at Sweetwater so often were more inclined to hurry past the town where they had sunk money that would never come back. Niall Herbert's father was one of the first failures to be crowded to the wall. He closed his little house, sent his cousin Sadie back to Kentucky, and went to Denver to accept an office position. He left Niall behind to read law in the office with his uncle. Not that Niall had any taste for the law, but he liked being with Judge Pomeroy, and he might as well stay there as anywhere for the present. The few thousand dollars his mother had left him would not be his until he was twenty-one. Niall fitted up a room for himself behind the suite which the judge retained for his law offices, on the second floor of the most pretentious brick block in town. There he lived with monastic cleanliness and severity, glad to be rid of his cousin and her inconsequential housewifery, and resolved to remain a bachelor, like his uncle. He took care of the offices, which meant that he did the janitor work, and arranged them exactly to suit his taste, making the rooms so attractive that all the judge's friends, and especially Captain Forrester, dropped in there to talk oftener than ever. The judge was proud of his nephew, Niall was now nineteen, a tall, straight, deliberate boy. His features were clear-cut, his grey eyes, so dark that they looked black under his long lashes, 
were rather moody and challenging the world did not seem over bright to young people just then his reserve which did not come from embarrassment or vanity but from a critical habit of mind made him seem older than he was and a little cold one winter afternoon only a few days before christmas niall sat writing in the back office at the long table where he usually worked or trifled surrounded by the judge's fine law library and solemn steel engravings of statesmen and jurists his uncle was at his desk in the front office engaged in a friendly consultation with one of his country clients niall greatly bored with the notes he was copying was trying to invent an excuse for getting out on the street when he became aware of light footsteps coming rapidly down the outside corridor the door of the front office opened he heard his uncle rise quickly to his feet and at the same moment heard a woman's laugh a soft musical laugh which rose and descended like a suave scale he turned in his screw chair so that he could look over his shoulder through the double doors into the front room mrs forrester stood there shaking her muff at the judge and the bewildered swede farmer her quick eye lighted upon a bottle of bourbon and two glasses on the desk among the papers is that the way you prepare your cases judge what an example for niall she peeped through the door and nodded to the boy as he rose he remained in the back room however watching her while she declined the chair the judge pushed toward her and made a sign of refusal when he politely pointed to the bourbon she stood beside his desk in her long sealskin coat and cap a crimson scarf showing above the collar a little brown veil with spots tied over her eyes the veil did not in the least obscure those beautiful eyes dark and full of light set under a low white forehead and arching eyebrows the frosty air had brought no colour to her cheeks her skin had always the fragrant crystalline whiteness of white lilacs mrs forrester looked at one and one knew that she was bewitching it was instantaneous and it pierced the thickest hide the swede farmer was now grinning from ear to ear and he too had shuffled to his feet there could be no negative encounter however slight with mrs forrester if she merely bowed to you merely looked at you it constituted a personal relation something about her took hold of one in a flash one became acutely conscious of her of her fragility and grace of her mouth which could say so much without words of her eyes lively laughing intimate nearly always a little mocking will you and niall dine with us tomorrow evening judge and will you lend me tom we've just had a wire the ogdens are stopping over with us they've been east to bring the girl home from school she's had mumps or something they want to get home for christmas but they will stop off for two days probably frank ellinger will come on from denver no prospect can afford me such pleasure as that of dining with mrs forrester said the judge ponderously thank you she bowed playfully and turned toward the double doors niall could you leave your work long enough to drive me home mr forrester has been detained at the bank niall put on his wolfskin coat 
mrs forrester took him by his shaggy sleeve and went with him quickly down the long corridor and the narrow stairs to the street at the hitch bar stood her cutter looking like a painted toy among the country sleds and wagons niall tucked the buffalo robes about mrs forrester untied the ponies and sprang in beside her without direction the team started down the frozen main street where few people were abroad crossed the creek on the ice and trotted up the poplar bordered lane toward the house on the hill the late afternoon sun burned on the snow-crusted pastures the poplars looked very tall and straight pinched up and severe in their winter poverty mrs forrester chatted to niall with her face turned toward him holding her muff up to break the wind i'm counting on you to help me entertain constance ogden can you take her off my hands day after tomorrow come over in the afternoon your duties as a lawyer aren't very arduous yet she smiled teasingly what can i do with a miss of nineteen one who goes to college i've no learned conversation for her surely i haven't niall exclaimed oh but you're a boy perhaps you can interest her in lighter things she's considered pretty do you think she is i haven't seen her lately she was striking china blue eyes and heaps of yellow hair not exactly yellow what they call an ashen blonde i believe niall had noticed that in describing the charms of other women mrs forrester always made fun of them a little they drew up in front of the house ben keezer came round from the kitchen to take the team you are to go back for mr forrester at six ben niall come in for a moment and get warm she drew him through the little storm entry which protected the front door in winter into the hall hang up your coat and come along he followed her through the parlour into the sitting-room where a little coal grate was burning under the black mantelpiece and sat down in the big leather chair in which captain forrester dozed after his midday meal it was a rather dark room with walnut bookcases that had carved tops and glass doors the floor was covered by a red carpet and the walls were hung with large old-fashioned engravings the house of the poet on the last day of pompeii shakespeare reading before queen elizabeth mrs forrester left him and presently returned carrying a tray with a decanter and sherry glasses she put it down on her husband's smoking-table poured out a glass for niall and one for herself and perched on the arm of one of the stuffed chairs where she sat sipping her sherry and stretching her tiny silver buckled slippers out towards the glowing coals it's so nice to have you staying on until after christmas niall observed you've only been here one other christmas since i can remember i'm afraid we're staying on all winter this year mr forrester thinks we can't afford to go away for some reason we are extraordinarily poor just now like everybody else the boy commented grimly yes like everybody else however it does no good to be glum about it does it she refilled the two glasses i always take a little sherry at this time in the afternoon at colorado spring some of my friends take tea like the english but i should feel like an old woman drinking tea 
besides sherry is good for my throat niall remembered some legend about a weak chest and occasional terrifying hemorrhages but that seemed doubtful as one looked at her fragile indeed but with such light effervescing vitality perhaps i do seem old to you niall quite old enough for tea and a cap he smiled gravely you seem always the same to me mrs forrester yes and how is that lovely just lovely as she bent forward to put down her glass she patted his cheek oh you'll do very well for constance then seriously i'm glad if i do though i want you to like me well enough to come to see us often this winter you shall come with your uncle to make a fourth at whist mr forrester must have his whist in the evening do you think he is looking any worse niall it frightens me to see him getting a little uncertain but there we must believe in good luck she took up the half-empty glass and held it against the light niall liked to see the firelight sparkle on her earrings long pendants of garnets and seed-pearls in the shape of fleur-de-lis she was the only woman he knew who wore earrings they hung naturally against her thin triangular cheeks captain forrester although he had given her handsomer ones liked to see her wear these because they had been his mother's it gratified him to have his wife wear jewels it meant something to him she never left off her beautiful rings unless she was in the kitchen a winter in the country may do him good said mrs forrester after a silence during which she looked intently into the fire as if she were trying to read the outcome of their difficulties there he loves this place so much but you and judge pomeroy must keep an eye on him when he's in town niall if he looks tired or uncertain make some excuse and bring him home he can't carry a drink or two as he used she glanced over her shoulder to see that the door into the dining-room was shut once last winter he had been drinking with some old friends at the antlers nothing unusual just as he always did as a man must be able to do but it was too much for him when he came out to join me in the carriage coming down that long walk you know he fell there was no ice he didn't slip it was simply because he was unsteady he had trouble getting up i still shiver to think of it to me it was as if one of the mountains had fallen down a little later niall went plunging down the hill looking exultantly into the streak of red sunset oh the winter would not be so bad this year how strange that she should be here at all a woman like her among common people not even in denver had he ever seen another woman so elegant he had sat in the dining-room of the brown palace hotel and watched them as they came down to dinner fashionable women from the east on their way to california but he had never found one so attractive and distinguished as mrs forrester compared with her other women were heavy and dull even the pretty ones seemed lifeless they had not that something in their glance that made one's blood tingle 
and never elsewhere had he heard anything like her inviting musical laugh that was like the distant measures of dance music heard through opening and shutting doors he could remember the very first time he ever saw mrs forrester when he was a little boy he had been loitering in front of the episcopal church one sunday morning when a low carriage drove up to the door ben keezer was on the front seat and on the back seat was a lady alone in a black silk dress all puffs and ruffles and a black hat carrying a parasol with a carved ivory handle as the carriage stopped she lifted her dress to alight out of a swirl of foamy white petticoats she thrust a black shiny slipper she stepped lightly to the ground and with a nod to the driver went into the church the little boy followed her through the open door saw her enter a pew and kneel he was proud now that at the first moment he had recognised her as belonging to a different world from any he had ever known niall paused for a moment at the end of the lane to look up at the last skeleton poplar in the long row just above its pointed tip hung the hollow silver winter moon end of part one chapter three